Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. The last few weeks, we're going through a new sermon series um, called The Gospel Ecosystem, and uh, we've done the introduction or the entry a couple of weeks ago, and last week we did uh, like the first plank, we did the foundation of building that ecosystem, that was uh, God's Word and God's Spirit in transforming and renewing our mind. This week as we continue to build the ecosystem, uh, the place where God grows us, the place where we find our purpose and meaning in life, we're going to move to another aspect here and it's God's love really important part of who God is, of the many attributes that God has. Uh, Love really is a very important, a powerful part of how God has made us as human beings, created in his image. We've been created to be loved and also to love. Uh, When we are loved and we're appreciated, it's a feeling of freedom and liberation for us, of comfort and wholeness when we we feel loved. It's, it's, It's a glorious thing. But we're also created to love as well. And when we show that love towards others, it's a blessed uh, uh, blessed feeling experience as well as we do. It just feels like it's the right thing to do, actually to love other people, because that's the way God's created us, to be loved, but also to love others. Uh, Love's a place where we grow. Love's a place where we actually grow in wholeness. Now, you think of children who come up in a a, a balanced, truly genuine, loving environment within a family. Normally, those children grow up to be very well-rounded children because of that loving environment they've grown up in. It just shows it's a place where growth takes place in that loving environment. We're going to look at that today as we think about a whole range of scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to start there first. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to go into um, verse 23 to 33. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbour. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I gave thanks? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offence to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they might be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Lord, we thank you that we can come this morning, open up your word. We ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would bless your word into our hearts now. As we think about a whole range of scriptures, as we think particularly here 
about your love and how it helps us to live for your glory. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. We pray you'll help us to see that today and that we'll be changed, transformed into that image of Christ, doing all things for his glory in the love that he has given to us. Amen. Okay, so we're building this ecosystem here that God has given to us to grow in as followers of Jesus and also to invite others into this ecosystem as well. A place where they can be born again and experience the gospel transformation as well. So it's not only for us to grow, but it's for others to be invited into so they can be experiencing this transformation. So let me just say a couple of things here. One thing about this uh, God's ecosystem, it's only in God's ways and purposes that you will truly discover what you're made for. That last song highlighted it really well, which will actually give us absolute meaning and purpose. It's only in God's will and purposes will you actually find what you're truly made for and you'll find purpose in life. You can do life outside of God's ecosystem, the way God grows us directly. You can do life outside of that in God's common grace that he gives to all people, but you'll do that from a real sense of or perspective of frustration and futility because you really won't be living for anything of eternal significance. It'll be just uh, in the sense of a very short-term uh, worldview or mindset. Inside God's ecosystem of life and growth, your life will take on a whole new meaning where everything you do, everything you do, not no, not just some things, everything you do will take on this meaning of eternal purpose and eternal hope as you live your life to God's glory. That's how important the gospel ecosystem is. It gives you real meaning, eternal meaning and eternal purpose for life. So last week we laid down that foundation there of God's word and God's spirit working together in harmony to renew our minds to get our thinking right. Now, if you weren't here last week, you can go back to the website and go onto the YouTube channel and you can click on that and we'd encourage you to do that. Understanding from last week this, that right thinking, spoke a lot about this last week, right thinking leads to right living. Right thinking leads to right living. What's also important here, as we spoke from last week about reading and meditating in the Bible, in the scriptures, in God's word, is it doesn't just become a mental thing or an intellectual thing. We don't sort of become bookheads, if you know what I mean. We don't just cram all this intellectual stuff in our heads and it just sort of stays there. Seeing Jesus in the scriptures must also do this. It must fuel our emotions. It must drive us as who we are and grow our hearts in worship. Not just stay here as in a whole bunch of intellectual thoughts, but it's got to get into our heart and begin to drive and to fuel our emotions to live a passionately worshipful life, which will look different in all sorts of contexts. But it's got to go more than just thoughts. It's got to get into our heart. Uh, today we want, to th- we want to build on this ecosystem here, working with the love of God, heading in this direction. As the love of God transforms our hearts, where he is seen as our all in all, because that's who God truly is, he will rightfully take the very centre of our lives for where all of our worship must go. It's all about the God who created us, as we will see this today. And it's that love that drives us in that direction. Today, as I said a couple of times, we are going to move around quite a few different scriptures to trace this out. And you're possibly thinking, what did that other scripture I read before have to do with this? Well, you'll see in the end game, that's where we're going to get to in uh, living 
for God's glory in gospel living. Okay, as we kick this off, one of the most important aspects that God wants us to see about him is his loving nature. It's this attribute of God that actually encompasses all of who he is. God's balanced with all these multiple attributes and love is one of these really important ones. When God chose the nation of Israel to bring about the Saviour who would rescue and redeem this world from its sinfulness by putting his life up on the cross, he brought through a human being through the nation of Israel. Now, he chose them for no other reason than his free choice. And this is what he revealed about himself in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Have a look at this with me. And we see what God says to these people. He says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be people for his treasured possession. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. So you weren't the bright and bold community of the world. It wasn't like you were standing out special. No, it's not that. Verse 8, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God's saying something really important there. I didn't pick you because you were the best and the brightest. Why did God choose Israel to bring about the Saviour? Simply God chose them at his free and sovereign love. The Lord chose you because he loves you out of his free love that he bestows upon you. What is God? God is a loving God. A very loving God, more than we can ever possibly imagine. This gets repeated for us in the New Testament as well. We go to 1 John and we see this in 1 John chapter 4. In this is love, so he's talking about God's love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appreciation for our sins. We spoke about that big word a few weeks ago. We won't go into it today. But what we see there again is God's love. Not that we first love God, not that we love God, but that he loved us. This again highlights God's amazing love. Everything God does is in love. Everything. Even when he disciplines us, and as a good father, as a perfect heavenly father, he does discipline us. But he does this also in love as well. Everything he does in love. When we're converted, when we are born again, this is what he does in us. He begins to actually just reveal himself in all of his love towards us when we begin to see who he is and he opens up our eyes. And as we believe that he sent Jesus to rescue us, we actually see this as a gift of his love towards us. But not only do that, we experience God's love as well. Have a look in Romans chapter 5. He says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God pours his love into our hearts. We begin to experience God's love. Why do I say all of that? Because God's love is a powerful force that works in the gospel ecosystem for life and for growth. As we know his love, but also experience his love. 
Think about before about the Corinthians and how they've experienced God's love. Think about what Ruth read for us from chapter 1. What do we see there about what Paul said to them? He said this, Many of you weren't wise. Many of you weren't powerful. Many of you weren't born of noble birth. But God chooses the so-called weak, the so-called low, the so-called low and despised in the eyes of this world. You weren't strong, you weren't powerful, you weren't of noble birth. You're actually really, really low. And perhaps in many eyes of this world, in a worldly context or worldly perspective, you were despised. The world saw them as silly and weak and despised. But how did God see these Corinthians? God saw them through the eyes of love, his love. And he revealed that love to those Corinthians. What do you think they experienced from that revelation of God's love? Love. They experienced love. The world somewhat was rejecting them, but God's calling them to himself in his love. You see, when you see something glorious and loving, you're drawn to that, aren't you? You're drawn to it. And you respond in like kind. You respond in love when, when someone does something loving towards you. When you're in a loving relationship, whether it's a marriage or a family or, or those connections, when you're loved upon, you just want to respond and reply and return in love towards them. It's like love grows love. It's this glorious, wonderful atmosphere to be in. Now, here's the wonderful thing about God's love. It's a transforming love. It's a transforming love. When I understand what Jesus has done for me, and I understand who God is, and I experience his love for me, and only God knows how to do that through his supernatural way of doing it as he pleases, my heart's response in this transformation is to gladly live for him as I see what he's done for me. I want to do that because I understand who he is and what he's done. That love transforms me to want to respond now in living a life for him. Jesus went to the cross for me. Jesus died for a selfish person like me who's got a mountain of sins. I I get to see that. I think that's amazing love. And God's love doesn't hold back. It's not like, well, he loves today, but maybe not tomorrow. Or he loves this morning and maybe not this afternoon. God loves all the time without question. This is the sort of love that drives the gospel ecosystem where we grow and thrive as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. It's an environment where there is growth in all sorts of ways in God's love. Okay, we're worshippers. We're worshippers. This is where we now move back to 1 Corinthians 10 and we see where the end result of this, uh, this transformation is taking us in the way we live our lives. Every single one of us in this room are worshippers. God has created all of us to worship. That's in your human DNA put there by God. There is something uh, that is in our hearts that we are drawn to, which we adore and which we love. We're drawn to something. God places that thing within us in our humanness that we want to worship. Everybody worships something. Everybody. You may worship cars. You may worship beauty. You may worship money. 
You may worship career. You may worship power. Those things take an ultimate place in our life and we begin to do everything we can to actually be fulfilled in those areas. Everybody worships something. Now for these Corinthians here, in chapter 10, it was some sort of idol, some sort of false set of ideas that they had fabricated for themselves and made up out of their own imagination. And here in chapter 10, they're actually eating food sacrificed to these idols as worship. Now Paul, not not that we'll go deeply into that passage here, but Paul actually says there, uh, this food is nothing towards these idols because these idols are false. They're not true gods at all. So Paul's saying, feel free to go and eat with an unbeliever if they invite you home for a meal at their house. Paul says, go and do that. But Paul says it changes, though, if they tell you that this food that they've bought from the local meat market is now going to be offered up as a sacrifice and this whole meal will become a worshipful event towards their false god. Paul then says, no, don't do that. You don't do false worship. You don't go down that pathway. Because of conscience, you pull back. You're not going to participate in that false worship. And then Paul ends with this powerful verse in verse 31. Corinthians 10.31 says this. As Paul summarizes what he's been saying in this chapter here about worship, he says this. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Simple words but very profound. Whether you eat or whether you drink, the very minor, minor, minor things of life, you do for the glory of God. Then he says, whatever you do, whatever you do. You see, this is what the gospel does for us. It redirects our worship. It gives us ultimate purpose. It gives us ultimate meaning as we see what we've been created for. The gospel shifts the centre of life off me, it's not about me, it's not me first, me last and me in the middle. That is a dead end life of futility. The world tries to make us think that's where life is found, but we place ourselves in the centre, we're going to crush ourselves. The gospel shows me that, that life is all about the God who gives me life. It's about him. And this is Paul's all-encompassing statement here. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. In this transformation of our minds with the truth of the gospel, we actually begin to see that this is what life is now all about when we're rescued and saved by Christ. It's all about worship. Everything we do is a response to God's love in worship out through our lives. So whether you eat or whether you drink, Or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do everything, Paul says, as a response of God's love so that he is glorified. What does that mean maybe in layman's terms? So that he publicly receives praise and honour and affirmation for who he is. Do all for the glory. Proclaim his praise, his honour and his fame for who he is out through our lives. This is the gospel ecosystem at work. This is where we grow as we live in this way. God's love fills our hearts and then we respond by everything we do, we do for his glory. So if you're a labourer on a job site, you glorify God in your work. 
If you're a retail worker at a shop, you glorify God on the job. If you're a stay-at-home mum, you glorify God around the house and down the street. And you can do that. You look for ways that you can publicly proclaim, make known God's praise, honour and fame. Maybe it might look like this if you're a stay-at-home mum and you're happy to be down at the supermarket and maybe you've just bumped into somebody down there and they might, you might be able to give a response like this to a question maybe that comes at you like this. I bet you can't wait to get those kids off to school. Then you can get your life back. That might be a common question. You know, you've got these kids, you've got to do it. Uh, you can't wait for that, you'll get your life back. Maybe you could respond like this. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty busy at the moment, but my kids, they're a gift from God. And I get this great opportunity to teach them about Jesus. Now that answer might shock somebody when you say that, but that answer glorifies God. Yeah, you're acknowledging it's busy, sure it is. But you're actually acknowledging what God's done. It's a gift there are from God and I get this chance to teach them and influence them about Jesus. That glorifies God. If you're a farmer growing crops and stock, will you glorify God with all the people that you can come into contact with? If you're a business person, glorify God in all your dealings of honesty and being upfront. If you're a trader, you're a professional person. Thank the Lord for the skills that you've been given and learned and then use them for God's glory. You see, when we see that all of life is to glorify God, it changes everything. It changes everything. I'm not just a school teacher or a taxi driver. I'm not just a doctor or a student. I'm not just that. I now have this incredible privilege, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, to glorify God where he has placed me. I'm not just doing that. It's a vehicle, it's a way, it's an avenue where I can glorify God. Now, this doesn't mean that my job or my work will be a dream job with no challenges and no hard days to go through. That's not the world we live in. We live in a world where there is frustration and there is futility and there are challenges. Your work or your job or if you're a stay-at-home mum or whatever, whatever you're doing will have its fair share of challenges and frustration that comes with it. That is part of where we live. There are no dream jobs where everything goes perfectly. But those frustrating and those challenging moments or elements of your work are some of the best places to glorify God. There's some of the most profound places to glorify God in that context. When everybody else is whinging, complaining and chopping down the management, they all just say the people above us, they've got no idea how to do this job, we know it better than them. When it's like that or when you're in those tough days and you're doing it really hard under a difficult manager, because sometimes some managers are difficult, and you feel like joining the rest of the crew to just bag out the management above you or the overseer or the foreman. That's challenging at times. You have a great opportunity in that moment to be gracious, to be respectful and to be kind to all people. And when the rest of your colleagues may ask you, say, how come you're like that? Why are you being so respectful or why are you being so kind at this point in time sure I'm thankful for the jobs given me 
It is difficult at the moment, but I'm working my hardest to show respect to the management that God has put in place above me. That response might shock your work colleagues as well, but it glorifies God in a very, very profound way. You see, when the gospel ecosystem is being filled with God's love, it's a place where we are empowered. We are given this ability to respond in life by doing everything for God's glory. God's love changes that in our hearts and lives to live for his glory alone and not ours. Here's another couple of glorious elements that work out of God's love and living for his glory, which I think are really, really powerful for us. When we're immersed in God's love and doing all for his glory, prayer and joy flow out of our lives in that context as well. Have a look here at Paul and Silas in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. Just a very classic example here. It says there in verse 25, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. Backstory there is Paul and Silas were in Philippi. Uh, they have been beaten with rods by the Philippian mob, and they've now been put into a, uh, a squalid Roman prison chained up. Not a good scenario. Why are they in prison? They're in prison for glorifying God. They're in prison because they were preaching the gospel to proclaim to the Philippians, hey, we can tell you about the God who's created this world. We want to tell you about that. They did that. They got beaten for, with rods for doing that, and now they're in prison glorifying God. Look at how they're responding, though, in that sense of knowing God's love, living all for his glory. How do they respond? It's prayer and it's singing. It's prayer and it's joy in the presence of God's glory working in and through their lives. These are powerful elements that God grows in us as we live for his glory. Prayer, it's the love that, fills, uh, our, the love that God fills our hearts with is, is this relational love. It's a relational love. He draws us into a relationship with him. And one of the avenues that we get to respond to God in this loving relationship is through prayer. In the ecosystem that God provides, he grows our lives to glorify him through prayer as we respond to the love he's placed in our heart. Again, God has ordained mysteriously that in the act of faith-filled praying, he will transform us and grow us in his love. Have a look at this passage here, at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, in this transformation and this growth through prayer. It says this in chapter 1, verse 11. You also must help us by prayer. That's pretty profound. Our prayers help people. So that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through what? The prayers of many. I thought God was helping us. Yeah, God is helping us. But how was God doing this? Through the prayers of others. God uses prayer mysteriously to help shape us and to change us and help others at the very same time. How is God's blessing granted there? Through the prayers of many. Prayer is a, something that comes out of this ecosystem of God's love living for his glory in our lives. Often we can too easily write off prayer. 
we can write it off forgetting this is precisely what God gives to us or ordains in our life for us to grow. It's too hard. I get distracted. There's too many other things that I just get out of bed and I go straight to work and I just, just don't even worry about it. I can't, no time for it. I don't know what to say. It's boring. A whole range of things that go through our mind when it comes to praying. Faith-filled praying is difficult and it is challenging. No question about that. And one of the biggest challenges we'll have is, is, is the distractions that Satan may place in our hearts and minds too to draw us away from praying. But when you love somebody in your life, you want to talk with them, don't you? You want to communicate with them. Well, this is what God desires of us in the gospel ecosystem of his love in our lives. He wants us to come to him in prayer where he will grow us and transform us and shape us. As his love is being poured into our hearts, this gives birth to a desire to want to speak with God and to pray. And as we respond to God's love through prayer, his loving response back to us is to change us, is to grow us, is to transform us as we pray. It's as simple as that. Yet it's as hard as that at the same time. He grows us in prayer. Genuine, heartfelt prayer grows us deep in Christ and deeply with each other. What else were Paul and Silas doing? Glorifying God and living in his love. Not only they were praying, they were singing. They were joyful. This is a very uh, valid part of the ecosystem as well. Look at this passage here with me in Zephaniah as we talk about joy that God grows in us. Verse 14, it says this, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why is he saying that? Follow on to verse 15. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. That's pretty special. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. Stand strong, Israel, stand strong, believer in Jesus today. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. What's he going to do? He, God, will rejoice over you with gladness. He, God will quiet you by his love. He, God, will exult over you with loud singing. It's a pretty joyful God there, isn't it? Exulting over us with not quiet singing, loud singing, passionate singing, joyful singing. What is that passage? That's the gospel of joy. That is the gospel of joy. The Lord has taken away our judgments. He's a mighty one who saves. Who's done that for us? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who is Jesus? He is God. He's the one who sings over us. He's the one who exalts over us. Jesus does this with gladness. He does this with rejoicing. He exalts over us with loud singing. 
God is exuberant and passionate about what he has done for us. God doesn't love us begrudgingly. God's not dragged to the line of love. Okay, well, I'll better love you today. That's not how God is. Just read Zephaniah again. He's not dragged to the line. And what's he command Israel to do? Let's go back to verse 14 again. He says to them, sing aloud. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. Rejoice in who God is and what he's done for you. What's this? This is the gospel ecosystem. This is where God grows us in his love, living for his glory, through prayer and through joy. What a place to grow. What a place to discover who we are. What a place to find out what our eternal purpose is. And when we see that, it transforms us. Now, we don't all go through seasons of life where this love or this prayer and this joy just sits right up on the mountaintops, do we? It's a bit like the sea. Sometimes the tide goes out and sometimes the tide goes in. Sometimes we have seasons of up, sometimes we have seasons of down. We're not always surfing the waves of love and prayer and joy. Sometimes in life we can feel like I've been dumped by some of those waves and I'm feeling battered and bruised and I'm eating a mouthful of sand. Sometimes life can be like that. Very tough, very difficult. That's just real. Well, then how do we respond in those times? How do we fuel that love? How do we fuel that prayer? How do we fuel that joy when it feels like we're running on empty or it feels like we've been dumped by the waves of life? Or we come back to the foundation of the gospel ecosystem again. God's word and his spirit working together in that. We find a promise of God and we squeeze every bit of life-giving juice that we can out of that promise to grow our love, to grow prayerful response and to grow a joyful heart. Have a look at this one here in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, therefore, when the waves of life have dumped you, and you feel dry, you feel like you're eating sand. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we have a community of people that we do this together with. We've got a community of people that have gone before us who are now in their eternal rest. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, let us also lay aside every weight, every distraction in life that is drawing us away from God's love, prayer and his joy. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to drag us down. And let us run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us through the God who loves us, the God who has given his son to us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to... Netflix, no, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sadness, no, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He went through the waves of life and got dumped big time, dumped on death in a cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
when our joy or our love or our prayer is burning low, we come to a promise and we ask God's Spirit, help me to see. Help me to see. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But God begins to, as it were, bring that light to bear in our hearts again and we begin to rise up in what God has done for us. And what's it do? We know his love again at a greater depth. We want to respond in prayer and we feel his joy as we live for his glory. A vital part of the gospel ecosystem that God's given to us for life and for growth. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today thanking you again for the amazing love that you've shown us. God, love out of your free and sovereign heart. Not because of anything who we are. Not because of anything we could give to you because we can give you nothing. But simply because you are love. And you demonstrate that love for us by sending your son to take our place upon that cross. To bear our guilt, our shame, our condemnation and our sin so that we can be drawn into this relationship of love with you. Father, we pray today, please, let your spirit again reveal that love into our hearts. Maybe some today, Lord, have been dumped by the last wave of life, and they are eating sand. I ask now, Lord, please let them come back to your word to gather that promise, all those promises. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring that word alive in our heart and that would begin to fuel again your love burning within us. That would fuel again within us a desire to live for your glory, no matter how hard or difficult that might be. That would fuel within us a desire to pray. That would fuel within us a desire to live in joy, to reflect this love that you've shown us. Father, we thank you for that. And do ask and do pray now. Bless that to our hearts, to our hearts we pray, and we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us. 